At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter by the qualities that are most important to you. Then book free 15-minute consultations with any therapist you're interested in seeing. And because 95% of therapists at Alma accept insurance, you can find care that's affordable too. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com slash therapy30 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com slash therapy30. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Today's episode is brought to you by cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. One of the most exciting weekends I remember as a Miami Dolphin fan has come to a close. Welcome into the Finsider Radio. I am Jake. Joining me is Josh. This is the Jake and Josh Show. Welcome in. Thanks for joining us. Before we begin, remember, subscribe, rate, review. All that stuff is so important for us. Continue with the conversation. Follow us on Twitter, at House, at jmendel94. Now let's get into the real stuff because I had to ask a couple people around town because if they could hear me when I yelled, when Tua was taken at five, and the Dolphins didn't have to trade up, they were able to tank, and mission was accomplished. Josh, we all saw your video, but now that it's really got to marinate for a couple days, how are you feeling about the Miami Dolphin draft? And it's got to start with that fifth overall pick. Yeah, I mean, everything worked out exactly how Chris Greer and uh, Brian Flores had planned. I mean, he was clearly the Dolphins guy. They did a great job of kind of sending out those mixed signals. Justin Herbert, trade up for Burrow. They were going to move up for an offensive tackle at one point. They just sat Still at five, and you know, Tua Tungavailoa, the guy that they wanted all along, fell right into their lap. You saw the video. I think a lot of Dolphin fans are over the moon excited because, I mean, I think I saw before we came on the air that the medium-sized jerseys in the the Aqua are already sold out for his his uh, <laughs> for Tua jersey. So, I mean, this is going to be a number one seller, and he landed in the perfect place. And the Miami Dolphins finally got a quarterback. And I, I still don't believe it. I have to go to NFL shop and, you know, search things on the internet and just see it come up. It just, it's a surreal moment as a Dolphins fan. You know, it, the, the biggest thing wasn't as much like it was, it was all about drafting Tua, but I think it's also like hearing, like, are they going to make the same mistake that they made with Drew Brees? And, and thinking that that was a possibility, 
made this pick more like necessary. I felt when you're making that comparison, and, and you know, it's not like in 2012 uh, when they took Ryan Tannehill. Like, oh my God, this is gonna make or break the franchise, or at least that's kind of how it seems that way. But I mean, you got the quarterback. You can still start Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, we're gonna get into all the very, very big offensive linemen we have uh, going to protect. Uh, whoever is that quarterback. We had a great trade who uh, I kept Matt Breida in our fantasy league that we're both in last year. I mean, there was just a lot to be excited about. And even on that third day, I must say, before we go like into the pick by pick, I have to, my one gripe is the people on Twitter who were like seventh round picks, like, man, this was a home run. You know, this seventh rounder, I am, you know, through the skies, you know, check one off for Chris Greer on this excellent pick. On a seventh round pick. That stuff is, it kind of started to get to me a little bit. Because I was, I saw people poo-pooing a couple picks here and there. And I'm not going to say I'm doing that or anything. But, like, dude, they're seventh round picks. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I, that's kind of funny you say that. But one of the guys that did fall was Curtis Weaver. And I think a lot of those, how much stock you put into experts' rankings and these mock draft simulators, whatever it is, Curtis Weaver was going second or third round. And this guy fell to the, the Miami Dolphins, fell right into their lap. Uh, in the fifth round, I mean, this was a, a steal. So it, it was funny to sit there and, and have guys, you know, Malcolm Perry, he was going to be this Nate next great offensive weapon, and maybe he will be. But, uh, you know, you're, you're right. You see a seventh-round pick, and people are just losing their mind. You didn't know at that point, you know, the draft's been going on for way too long. There were a couple spots where I was a little annoyed, where I kind of hoped the Dolphins traded up a little more, got a little more aggressive, uh, specifically when uh, – J.K. Dobbins went right before them to Baltimore um, at 50, 20, yeah, 56, something like that. And then uh, when our guy um, Ashton, uh, what, why, Ashton, why is Davis. Ashton, Ashton Davis. Davis. I thought I was gonna say Davis. I'm like, there's no way it's as simple as Davis. But that, you know, going to the Jets two picks before that one kind of annoyed me. I'd love to use a fourth or fifth round pick in either of those scenarios to move up. But but outside of that, I'm not going to really, you know, live and die by the sword. I'm like, you know, third and fourth round draft picks. Yeah, but I think you nailed the, you know, you, you hit the nail on the head right there. J.K. Dobbins, if he would have fell to the Dolphins, that would have been the perfect back for, for what Shane Gailey wants to do here in Miami. He went to the Baltimore Ravens, and I already hated the Ravens before this, but, uh, you know, I'm going to carry that with me for a long time. So Lamar Jackson has J.K. Dobbins alongside him. That's going to be scary to watch. But it, you, you mentioned him and you mentioned Ashton Davis going to the Jets. Those were, to me, if the Dolphins would have got those two players, it would have completely shifted the way this draft looks to me. But I, I keep saying, you know, they, they had this smoke screen set up. They got us to a – I'm trusting the process. You know, at this point, they can do whatever the hell they want. They got us our quarterback. When no one thought they, he was going to come and fall right to Miami's lap, he did. The Dolphins pulled the trigger, and, you know, Dolphin fans, this franchise just does not realize what's going to happen to it now that they got that guy in Tua Tungvaloa. And, like, the key, too, is, you know, they aren't drafting guys who are going to necessarily come in and and maybe plateau. Like, like these are, like, high variables in the sense of the, the upside. You know, they're going to play a year. They might not look too great, you know, year number one. They might not be able to plug in and play and really be at that NFL level. But – it's what we see in two and three years down the road because I kind of made the joke before the draft that if they mess this up, we can do it all again next year with the two firsts and the two seconds and yada, yada, yada. So you kind of got to temper the expectations when we look into what these guys are going to do this year. And I think we should start with Austin Jackson because it 
did see that when we did our mock draft, a couple ways the you know the board fell uh, wasn't really the case in terms of uh, how things went. The four you know top tier offensive tackles were off the board. Uh, we saw the Bucks move up to take the last one. We kind of thought the Dolphins would do that there at thirteen, but that wasn't the case. You kind of look at someone like Austin Jackson here. Uh, He's two years of experience at left tackle. You think he's going to kind of slide in there and maybe be the guy. Uh, he was all first team Pac-12 last season. And it's not a player, like, you're not, you don't have Laramie Tunsil here, someone who's going to come in and be an outstanding player day one. But you have to, like, you know, the, the upside there. And I think that's kind of the, the word of the draft, I guess, is the upside for a player like this. We see what Brian Flores did with a roster that featured 30 guys who, you know, maybe weren't the most talented guys in the world, but they see the upside, they play to that upside, and and you kind of think that's what they're going to play to do with Austin Jackson. Uh, when you trade Laramie Tunsil away, you get you know two first-round picks, and you can replace that for a mid-first-round pick. you got to be feeling pretty good about that, despite, you know, it might take a year or two. Yeah, and you got to be, you know, happy giving him time to develop because that's what this guy is. And 20 years old, he's a freak of an athlete. Um, you know, he's a strong mauler and I just think that this was a great get for the Dolphins. Like you said, he was, uh, someone that kept falling to us in mock drafts. We decided we were going to go a different route, but I think that was because Jedrick Wills fell into our lap and you saw how early he went in the actual draft. So getting Austin Jackson there at 18, I mean, that's your offensive tackle. That's your, your probably your left tackle for the foreseeable future, but you're right. You know, you can kind of slowly implement him along, get him accustomed to the NFL game because nothing matters until 2021. And you made that joke about how they're going to have all that draft capital. You don't wonder if they just built the hell out of the trenches this year to next year, you know, target some wide receivers, some running backs and, you know, other pieces that they might need and just have this influx of, you know, young players to build around this team. I'm excited for the Miami Dolphins, but you can't be upset with this Austin Jackson pick. I mean, anything is an upgrade over what the Dolphins had last year. And I think, again, if this guy develops, you you know the story about him. Great story. Donated bone marrow to his sister. He was back the next year. I'm excited to see Austin Jackson develop, and I do think that, you know, he could be as good of a Jawan James here in Miami. So I'm excited. It might not be Larry Tunsil, but I think they got a pretty good player in Austin Jackson. I like that comparison quite a bit. And, and you mentioned, you know, not drafting receiver, and I'm pretty, you know, content with that because you see how uh, – there were some top-tier wide receivers where it seemed like guys with that top-tier potential in the middle of the first round next year. And you have to think that letting this wide receiver group play out for a year with all the question marks around it isn't a bad thing because, you know, we could be sitting here this time next year, or excuse me, maybe right before the draft, and it could really go either way where wide receiver is a huge need for this team or, you know, we're kind of set still. We have a good system going on being able to switch guys in and out. We even, you know, if some different players move on we have the depth maybe an Isaiah Ford develops or a couple undrafted guys this year uh Preston Williams looks like Preston Williams there are different scenarios that can play out there and I'm glad they didn't really invest a, a mid-tier pick on a position that you know could most certainly be uh pretty stable but at the same time they did they did invest quite a high pick on a on a you know group that we thought was very very stable and consistent at cornerback Noah I'm so sorry for what I'm about to do with you here but uh no, Josh, just do it. I, I'm not going to be able to pronounce it. Igbe Nagani. Well done. Well done. Better than I I'll do. I think I did pretty good. <laughs> but, I mean, this guy's coming in. He's most likely going to play the nickel. And, I mean, he ran a 4.48. This guy just oozes athleticism. I think it. you're kind of seeing a system here in Miami. Brian Flores is trying to do things that you might not really see around the NFL. And he is building this force that you just cannot penetrate and it's the Dolphins secondary I mean they got Byron Jones now Xavier Howard you add Benogany to that uh Nick Needham 
you know, they got the safety that we're going to talk about a little bit, Eric Rowe. Who's going to throw the football? Where are you going with the football? And then that's, I think, why the Dolphins have – they got these versatile pieces that they have up front in the defensive line that they're going to scheme however they, they deem fit, and they're going to attack the quarterback. And they're just not going to have – the receivers aren't going to be able to get open, and the you know the offensive line is not going to hold up, and I think it's going to be chaos for, for offensive coordinators throughout the league. Yeah, you definitely felt good after that first day. I mean, that all starts with Tua, but but you look at this, you know, these three, and you look at the three first-round talents, uh, you're excited about it. And before we get to that third-round uh, safety pick, when you see what they had in the, you know, the, the back five, let's see, three cornerbacks, two safeties, there's uh, one point, if you include, like, the Bobby McCain at safety and Eric Rowe, all five of these guys have experience at cornerback, and as a result, three out of the five, maybe even four out of the five, have experience at safety. So what they're going to try to do here is throw so many different looks where you're not going to really be able to hone in on what's happening, what type of schemes you're really getting into. Because as we saw with the Dolphins, you know, in years past is – Falling apart in the second half, you know, not being able to come out of the second half strong. And that's because the way the team was built, you know, you know the strengths and weaknesses and you can kind of play towards the strengths and really try to negate them. Here, what you're doing is you're giving veteran quarterbacks issues because the time... They, they do so well, you know, the older a quarterback gets, sometimes you don't see that peak till the age of 30, is because they start to understand defenses. They start to understand where those weak spots are. When you have all these guys that are so flexible in what they're able to do and what kind of looks they're able to give you, it even gives those older quarterbacks kind of a fit in the sense of, all right, what kind of defense am I seeing here? Where are the weaknesses? And you can kind of lull them into different mistakes. This is Advertiser Content, brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are... It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snackin'. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void wherever hit Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Yeah, we keep hearing the word versatility, and I think that's what you look at, whether it be the guys the Dolphins brought in, you know, as free agents. There's a bunch of versatile pieces there. Whether it be where they could play Eric Eric Flowers, obviously is a guard, but I mean if they really wanted to play him at tackle, I think Ted Karras has some experience at guard as well as center. And then you got these defensive players that you bring in. You know they can play on the outside, they can play on the inside. Most of them can drop back in coverage. I mean it's it's crazy the different pieces that Brian Flores has to work with. And I tweeted out just a list of all the defensive players, and I, I don't have it in front of me, but I mean he loaded up. In the draft, they loaded up in free agency. He is building a juggernaut. I think we should be excited for how this is going to play out because I just don't see, and it might be a little bit of a homer take. It might not, but how are you going to throw the football again on that secondary? You know, how are you going to run the ball when they have all these interchangeable pieces up front? I just, I think it's going to be very interesting to see because, you know, you saw the defense take steps a little bit last season. I'm excited with Flores and, and Josh Boyer taking over this year. 
Igbignagini. There, I kind of did it. Igbignagini, yeah. Uh, he, he's a hitter, too. He's someone who can play at the line of scrimmage. I mean, especially in the slot, you do a lot. A lot of the time, you are lining up on that line of scrimmage, looking to jam. Um, he should help in the running game too. He should be able to help on those outside type of plays, things like that. Um, should be a should be a really big boost. Uh, moving in, moving on. I, I love this pick for one reason only because we're in the hunt still, and that's Robert Hunt. Um, this guy, he looks like someone who just likes to beat up guys on the football field. Um, First impression, I really feel like he's going to play guard over tackle. See, I was kind of hearing it might be the other way, and he might actually jump outside and play uh, right tackle. So I think that's going to be something interesting to see because I think this is, again, a versatile player that could play either side. And I just looked, and it looks like they have him listed as a tackle. So we'll see. But I think if he wanted to play inside, he could. But I think the Dolphins might be grooming him to be that right tackle uh, with Austin Jackson being on the left side. I, I can kind of get behind that, too. Um, my thing is because I think we have both sides of the fence, and I think you can play both sides of the uh, fence based on the results. Uh, are you comfortable with them starting to develop someone at two separate positions, or are, are you more on the side of, I'm going to gripe if, if a rookie isn't really focusing on one position, really starting to develop in one spot before he's handed you know three different jobs to do at once? Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to complain. I'm going to trust in the coaching staff, and I think that was one of the issues that saw Minka Fitzpatrick cry his way out of Miami is because some of these younger players are asked to do a little bit more than some of their other coaches may have you know, asked of them. So it'll be interesting to see which of these players really picks up the system, picks up the scheme, and become versatile pieces because whether it's the offensive line or defensive line, you know, we saw last year they like to rotate in those uh, – there's ever-changing musical chairs because as soon as someone's not performing, they seem to find a way to, to immediately try to fix that issue. So you got a lot of cooks here. You just got to figure out who those starting chefs are and get them out there because if the Dolphins' offensive line is fixed, um, you know it's going to be, be a hell of a, a lot easier for Tua Valo to stay upright and to have the success that we saw at Alabama and for the rest of the offense to click. So uh, I'm just trusting the process here because I've heard things about Robert Hunt. I think the guys at three yards per carry, Simon Clancy, in particular, he even said, this is a guy that I believe the Dolphins will draft. They went out there, they got him. He's a mauler. I mean, 323 pounds, 33 and a half inch arms. I mean, this guy is a wilder beast, and he just likes to go out there. And I think there was a quote that said, I, I like playing football because you're allowed to hit people. And this guy's just going to go out there and beat people up. So I like the pick. We'll see where they end up pl plugging him in. But I do think he's probably more going to be that right tackle of the future for Miami. You know, it's kind of interesting because um... – I watched the second night of the draft with, my, draft with my dad, and he brought up a point jokingly, uh, but but he, he said it, and, and I kind of had to sit there and think about it. Um, it's it's quite possible that uh, Miami's second-string offensive line is better than their first-string offensive line has been over the last couple of years, and, and that in itself has to be so exciting and, and relieving to hear after, you know, years of years of, you know, we need to fix the offensive line. It doesn't matter who we have at quarterback as long as we fix the offensive line, yada, yada, yada. So that is a bit refreshing to see that development really start to unfold. Yeah, I completely agree. And, again, if you could fix the trenches and you can have that depth there, those versatile players – you can plug and play as you deem fit, and I think that's kind of what the Dolphins are doing here. They're they're bringing as many possible guys as they can, and they're seeing which guys fit. And I'm excited. You're right. I think the second string might be better than the first string was last year. So as we move on, pick 56. I think this is the first one I really saw people start to get upset 
um, on Twitter, and that was Raekwon Davis. In fact, I saw a stat that the Dolphins have the only two Raekwons in the NFL on their roster. They have Raekwon McMillan, and now they drafted Raekwon Davis. A lot of people really, really were upset about this because this guy looked like a stud um, in his freshman season. A lot of people said he might have even been a top 10 pick if he continued that talent. But he really started to simmer down the next two years. And to me, that sounds like the college version of Jordan Phillips. That really, I mean, we picked him in the middle of the second round as well. This is the same type of feel. I kind of had that feeling about it. Um, and you know what? I'm pretty okay with it. I, if I had to pick, you know, Jordan Phillips once every three years in the second round just for that risk reward, seeing that that peak some games and the hope that they can put together on a consistent basis, I'm perfectly fine with the pick. Um, you have all these picks. you got to take some of those risks that, you know, you might look back and some are going to be like, yeah, that was kind of a tough pick. We kind of knew it from the start. But at the same time, there are going to be some like, damn, I didn't see this really going best case scenario. And that's kind of the hope here. Yeah, and correct me if I'm wrong, but was that not the pick that the uh, Ravens sniped J.K. JK Dobbins right before the Dolphins were on the clock? I'm pretty sure it was. So Yeah. I, it's hard to sit here and say how that changed the Dolphins' plans, but Raquan Davis, the biggest thing to me was you saw Brian Flores' reaction when they kind of showed him on television, and he looked excited. I mean, this is a guy that can move move bodies up front. Um, he's going to be, again, like we continue to say, versatile. They can, they can play him. Uh, he's most likely, I guess, going to play nose or up front, and you know they could probably flex him out a little bit if they'd like, but this is a guy that is a versatile chess piece. If he can get his maturity issues fixed, I mean – uh, Lance Zerline of NFL is comparing him to DeForest Buckner, so that's a pretty good comparison right there. So I think the Dolphins and especially Brian Flores are a lot more excited about this pick than the Dolphin fans are. But I think that has to do with, you know, J.K. Dobbins, a, a fan favorite. He was sitting right there, and, and the Ravens sniped him. But I think in the long run, this might work out better than a running back. And then we go on to Brandon Jones. I think this was another one people were upset about. The safety from Texas, pick 70 in the third round. They thought it was a reach. Um, and, and the key here is that it might end up being a reach. We can't really do that, uh, really say that. But but all the mock drafts that, uh, you know, the NFL guys, the gurus, ESPN, NFL Network, they do, a lot of it is their own, you know, ideas and what they see. But then another half of it is what they hear uh, that other teams are doing, and they kind of try to find that balance in the middle. It's, you know, it's possible that, you know, the Dolphins really liked this guy or it's very possible it could have been a reach. I know I'm really hedging my bet here. Very thrilling radio. I apologize. But up until this point, I was kind of settled with Miami's defense looking about how they had those five cornerbacks. But you come in and you add a true safety to the secondary, and it seems like he might – I don't I don't know if he uh, – if he's as versatile as you want right away, um, it really does say here he's a three-year starter. Um, he played all over it, but I think you kind of want him as that single high safety because I don't really trust a Bobby McCain or an Eric Rowe in that situation. McCain does have the speed, but I think I do recall him being beat at a couple times last year. Yeah, and the way I see it with Brandon Jones is if he wasn't the guy, you know, they could have traded up and got Ashton Davis, uh, the safety from California that was – very familiar with Jared Alexander, the Dolphins' new secondary coach. But, I mean, you look at the highlights, you look at the film on this guy, and he kind of reminds you of Rashad Jones. You know, he can come up to the line, he can hit people, uh, he can. he's very good in the run game, but then he can drop back and, and play all three of those safety positions. This guy is another one of those things where I just seem to trust the process and believe that Chris Greer and, and, and Brian Flores and Marvin Allen and Reggie McKenzie. We talk about the Avenger front office up there. I just trust that they know a hell of a lot more than us and the Twitter scouts because 
I, I don't think anybody sat there and in their 3,000 mock drafts that they showed on the timeline took Brandon Jones. So this is a guy that obviously the Dolphins liked. I think if they wanted Ashton Davis, they would have moved up for him. But you get Brandon Jones, and I think this is a guy you'd much rather have him out there, I'd bet, than Bobby McCain. And, you know, Eric Rowe is, is showing that he can cover tight ends. So maybe you let this guy roam a little bit, you know, drop down against a run play deep like you said and you know I think good things will happen this guy's a ball player and I think the Dolphins are more excited than you know the outside media might be on this pick and it, it's really going to be a lot of fun once you see all these guys on the field together it's just gonna I it's the the versatility you don't know who's gonna be coming from where who's blitzing who's dropping back yada yada it's it's going to be a treat to watch the secondary when you really start to see it develop it's exciting too when you see that they're not like rotating out pieces. You go back to that 2013 uh, free agency period, and it was they signed Philip Wheeler and Adel Ellerby, and they got rid of Kevin Burnett and Carlos Stansby. And all of a sudden, I think Ellerby was hurt, and we're playing um, a rookie, Jelani Jenkins, a fourth-round pick at the time, who did have a decent NFL career. But you you see what they're doing, and you're excited they didn't get rid of someone like Xavier Howard because they were able to sign Byron Jones. Just seeing all this depth really come together is is a really interesting thing that just hasn't happened in Miami for such a long time. Despite you think about that 2013 draft, they were able to do so much. They even signed two quarterbacks in Jamar Taylor, Will Davis. We know the story on both of them, but just to kind of see the established veterans and being able to being able to put in a rookie at safety, being able to put one at slot, or even if they need a little bit of time, that's okay too. Yeah, and it, it really is, and that's a testament to Josh Boyer, the now defensive coordinator. He was the Dolphins' secondary coach. It's a testament to what he can do, and Brian Flores as far as developing some of these players. And a guy like Xavier Howard, you know, he was already here. Eric Rowe, they kind of knew what they had when they brought him in here. But you're right, just seeing the way this secondary is starting to shape up, I mean, it has to make you excited because now they have – the biggest thing to me is all these safeties and defensive backs. These are physical guys that are excel in man coverage, and that's the type of scheme that Brian Flores and his staff run. So they're going to – you know, be rough with you at the line of scrimmage. You're going to try to take your lunch money, and you're probably just going to sit there and handle it because if you don't, you know, that's when the pass rush is going to get to the quarterback. So I'm excited to see the way they design this defense and how they attack quarterbacks. And I think with what they have in the secondary and now what they got up front, good things will come. And two, you know, people were a little upset on the Byron Jones pick because, you know, you can kind of say, well, we thought Nick Needham played enough to be an every-down starter, and that's not really an argument I want to have here. I'd rather just say the fact I'm ecstatic that Nick Needham is going to be our fourth or fifth cornerback. That is so exciting to me for some reason. The fact that you can go so wide, spread so thin, you have to deal with a couple games with injuries, and have these guys come in who are more than capable. You know, and that is just so exciting for me where you're not going to miss a beat or be able to chalk up a half that someone had to sit out. Like, this is something this guy's going to get picked on, like like Tom Brady's picking on, you know, Jimmy Wilson, whoever it may be. You know, it's just so cool to see this, this progress and development really start to unfold in front of our eyes. Yeah, and you wonder how soon it's going to be before the offense and defensive lines are in the same boat. And we got Solomon Kinley, who's a guy that was rated really high on a lot of these drafts. On their draft board, he was one of the top guards in this class, and the Dolphins saw that he was, again, physical, versatile, and a guy that they could have up there to develop to be you know, one of those guys on that wall to protect Tua Tungvaluwa. And what you see here throughout this entire draft, throughout free agency, is that they are going to get their quarterback, and they're going to do whatever they can to, to build a wall in front of him. And y you got to be excited because you saw what the Dolphins gave up to go and get him. He had to be in one of their best players on that board, and they just saw him keep falling down. They've 
finally pounced at him, and just another big, meaty body up front for the Dolphins to try to figure out who will be the offensive line for not only 2020, but the immediate future. And that, too, that, that's like the key here. We kind of thought they'd do a little more uh, manipulation in terms of where they're picking in the draft, and this was the time, you know, you know, eyebrows raids. Um, I was thinking about it when we were talking about their second-round pick there, uh, Robert Hunt. You know, I was thinking about, I think the last tackle they took in the second round was back in 2012, Jonathan Martin. And then, you know, I'm thinking about someone like, like, uh, uh, J- excuse me, I'm getting ahead of myself, Solomon Kinley, and I'm thinking Billy Turner for some reason. And, you know, it, it's we're stuck in that worst-case scenario mindset, but there there is a real good chance here that two of these three guys hit, and all of a sudden your offensive line is set. It's just perfectly uh, established, and you keep adding those third- or fourth-round picks. You sign another guy to a one-year, $40 million contract or whatever it may be to keep bringing up that pressure, keep everyone on their toes, working and becoming the best player they can be. And you you just said it, you know, seeing that offensive line reach up to what cornerback may be. By the, may, maybe we're sitting here this time next year talking about the offensive and defensive lines like we're talking about the secondary going into this season. Yeah, because we know they put enough resources in it this offseason, and even with some of these later-round picks, I mean, they're bringing in these guys that, again, are versatile, had success at the collegiate level, and just fit what Brian Flores wants to do. So I don't see any reason why the offensive line, defensive line, why we're not talking about a little bit about both. And that brings us to the next pick. And I think before this, the Dolphins may or may not have traded. This would have been round five, pick nine, when they took Jason Strawbridge from North Carolina, uh, a guy that, again, was a four-star recruit out of Deerfield Beach, um, honorable mention, all ACC selection for his 11 games starting. He had 36 tackles, seven and a half for loss, and five and a half sacks last season. This is a guy who, again, they comparison NFL analyst Lance Zerline called him Tank Carradine, and that's a we know what Tank Carradine did with the Dolphins last year. So he led the tank, and that, that's why the Dolphins are in their current situation. But this is a guy that I think, with the right development can maybe exceed expectations and, and be a value piece, again, in a Brian Flores defense where he can just seem to get talent out of about a little bit of everyone. Yeah, and he had a strong performance in the senior bowl, uh, which really kind of helped him become a, a, a third-day pick, excuse me. And you mentioned it. It's wherever he can get that opportunity as someone who can play defensive end and defensive tackle. You're just really hoping to see a highlight here or there. That's what kind of makes or breaks those uh fifth round picks their first year they might make the roster and and, you know this is gonna this is important too i mean we really can't throw a fit if the dolphins cut a fifth round pick this year we really can't because it happened a couple years ago and uh you know everyone was you know appalled like that's a fifth round pick but you know with a team that is established and built the right way i mean you should really keep you know Everyone based on talent, not set, not necessarily just where they are drafted. So hopefully, I mean, like I said, being on the play, both tackle and defensive end, we start to see some real nice highlights in the preseason where he can really carve out a spot on the defensive line. Because, I mean, edge rushers, we, we need them. We need them a lot, and he, he could make a name for himself there. Yeah, I think I do stand corrected. I think the Dolphins did trade. It says their first of three fifth-round picks. Uh, for Matt Breida, and we saw the way the board fell. The Dolphins probably thought they could get Jonathan Taylor or J.K. Dobbins, like we said, maybe a Cam Akers, maybe one of these other running backs in this class, Zach Moss. They didn't hit on a running back, so what they do? They turned around and traded a fifth-round pick to the San Francisco 49ers, the NFC champs. Um, 
and they just had a loaded backfield. So the Dolphins went up there and they got a guy like Matt Breida. And to me, this is a he's one of those speed backs that can do a little bit of everything. I continue to talk about how I remember him from fantasy football because whether you had Matt Breida, whether your opponent had Matt Breida, you knew what Matt Breida was capable of. And this is a guy that I want to throw this out there. It kind of reminds me of what Reggie Bush was when he came to Miami. And I think he's the perfect lightning to Jordan Howard's thunder. I think this was a great move for the Dolphins, especially after how the board felt. But I do think they could turn to the supplemental draft. And someone threw it out there that maybe Travis Etienne, uh, the running back from Clemson, or Chase Hubbard would enter the supplemental draft based on the way you know the college season might might be looking at that point. So if some of those bigger backs that went back to school to take take you know play their senior season to build up that draft stock now choose to go to the supplemental draft, the Dolphins have two first round picks, two second round picks. If they want to get a running back that they may be targeting next year that comes out in the supplemental draft, that'd be a freaking home run. But Matt Burita plus Jordan Howard plus Patrick Laird and then whatever else you might have there behind him, whether it's Miles Gaskins, Kalen Balazs, an undrafted free agent. I think those are the four running backs the Dolphins will keep. So I, I like this move. He's 25 years old, especially after seeing the way you know the board fell. But he, he just fits that mold of a New England-style running back that can do everything in the pass game that he can in the run game. Exactly. And I, I hope, that at least for me, the key here is that all the running backs are involved. Um, you know, when you're playing people like Jordan Howard, or ex- excuse me, uh, Matt Breida, I mean, injury concerns are there when you when you look at someone who, who is, I think he, what did you say, he's like 5'11"-ish. Um, you don't really, it's not someone you can necessarily run into the ground. He has the big play potential, but that doesn't mean every play is going to be a big play. We really need to get all these different guys involved in it so they can open up these big gaps, you know, with, with the different uh new looks, whether it's a wheel route, things that they can really hit teams off balance. I look back at that Brandon Bolden run uh, two years ago when Adam Gase, when they beat the Patriots in Miami, um, I think it brought them to like six and eight at the time, or I I can't really remember, maybe six and seven uh, before falling out of the playoff hunt. But really just a different diverse group where you don't really expect what's going to come on each and every down, despite who's going to be in the backfield. I think that's going to be key for this offense in 2020 if they want to have success a successful, excuse me, running game uh, that isn't relying on Ryan Fitzpatrick to run wild. Yeah, then we got to throw in Malcolm Perry, who we'll talk about later. That could be a guy that they might get involved, whether it be Wildcat, triple option, like I jokingly said. This guy could end up playing running back. But let's take a look at the Dolphins. Uh, This would be their third, fifth round pick. Round five, pick 19, 164th overall. They took defensive end Curtis Weaver out of Boise State, and this is a guy who uh, we joked about it, I believe, at the beginning of this podcast, and you look at mock drafts, and this guy's a second or third round value by most experts, by most analysts, and by most people that sat there and did a mock draft. You know, this guy was supposed to go at least on day two, if not very early day three, if for some reason he fell. Dolphins got him round five. I mean, this was an absolute steal. I think he's a versatile player. I believe he started playing defensive tackle, lost 20 pounds, he had 34 sacks in three years at Boise State. So this guy can do a little bit of everything. Um, I'm almost more excited for what Curtis Weaver can bring to the table than Raquan Davis, and that might just be me looking at it from a pass rush standpoint. But I'm really excited about this, and I think the Dolphins have to be excited, especially when you look at the value and where they ended up drafting him. When I look through the stats here, especially when I see like nine and a half uh nine and a half sacks at least in all three of the years he played. He kind of reminds me what the Dolphins expect out of Kyle Van Noy, someone who can do both. However, where Van Noy, I think, is a little better in, you know, the the pass defense. I think Weaver's going to be a, a better pass rusher, but still have the ability to do both. Yeah, I completely agree. And 
I'm just I I'm just trying to figure out what type of player he reminds me of, and I really can't really put my head on anything. I was gonna say Jared Odrick when I first saw him drafted, but Odrick was more of a guy, a guy with his hand in the dirt. I mean, this guy can play coming off the edge, coming hard, and I think again, this is a player that Brian Flores and his staff are gonna find a way to use. And for the opposing quarterback, you know, it's gonna be a long day. And you have to wonder. I mean, the competition between uh, Van Genkel, between uh, Weaver, between. Uh, uh, Vince Beagle, sorry. I mean, this is going to be a really heated competition because, I mean, it seems like all three of these guys are really trying to do the same thing, fight for that, you know, third or fourth outside linebacker defensive end, uh, three, four, basically pass rusher type spot. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be competition. I think that's what you, that's what the Dolphins do best, and that's what Brian Flores has continued to harp on. He wants competition, and he wants those players to exceed expectations. And that's what we saw with, uh, you know, the Dolphins doing something that a lot of people kind of wrinkled their nose at. But round six, pick six, 185th overall, they took a long snapper. Blake Ferguson from LSU. You don't really think about long snappers as this position that you need to upgrade in. For some reason, the Miami Dolphins did. Everyone loved Tabor Pepper because he went on Twitch and played Fortnite and interacted with fans. He was a great guy, but he dethroned John Denny. And inevitably, if you're going to throw the GOAT John Denny, something bad's probably going to happen. So the Dolphins drafted the best long snapper by many account, I guess. I just jokingly said that he was my long snapper one. I did no work on any long snappers, but we're just going to pretend that this was the best <laughs> in the country. So the Dolphins replaced Tabor with him. No one saw a long snapper going you know, round six, 185th overall, but, but there he is. So what, what were your thoughts on the long snapper? <laughs> when I saw people, you know, grading each and every pick, this one, I mean, everybody, it seemed like, just threw a big fat F on it. This is a position, you know, you usually take seventh round or undrafted, but hey, when you have so many picks, um, it's not like the Dolphins are, are throwing it away. I think any position can be upgraded um, just because it is a position you can get in, you know, undrafted free agency or in the seventh round doesn't mean you can't get someone better you can't make improvements and the, and the Dolphins thought they could do that here you know maybe a special teams captain who he could be a long snapper maybe he can get more involved in in different parts of the special teams game and you know maybe just somebody who who can be a different type of leader and you know you never know what they really see out of this guy until and, and that too I mean it's a six-round pick I mean it, it's the odds of them making the, the team, I mean, you're really hoping, obviously, he has a better shot having a special skill. Blake Long snapping, you, mes you mentioned they cut Pepper. Um, so, yeah, it's just kind of one of those things. You see some sort of upgrade, and, and you just kind of take a shot at it. Yeah, make no mistake about it. They invested a pick on him, and that's not something you really see anymore. So I definitely think this guy's going to be a long snapper. I mean, to sit here and say a long snapper of the future might sound crazy, but uh, it, it might be time to, to pencil him in as the long snapper of the future here in Miami. And this too, I mean, the last pick for a seventh round pick, um, the way you're talking about him always kind of, already kind of reminds me about, you know, Isaiah Ford, just kind of the upside, the potential. And it just comes down to, can you take advantage of those opportunities? And that's Malcolm Perry, running back, wide receiver. Of, I mean, 40 touchdowns in college uh, of, you know, excuse me, that was 40 rushing touchdowns. And you just kind of wonder how are they going to use different ways to get him involved? Hell, he might even just become a really well-established. Oh my God. I can't talk to him. Sorry. Special no. teams guy. And that's kind of what it boils down to. That's a possibility we see here that there's going to be those opportunities and having that wide skill set he has, he has the opportunity to take advantage of it. Yeah. This is a guy who can do a little bit of everything. He ran a 4.63 at the combine. 
Um, he, he actually played quarterback in Navy, and I guess that's more of a running back style, I guess, using that triple option. But this is a guy who many said once he was making that transition, tradition, tra- once he was making that transition to wide receiver, they started to immediately compare him to Julian Edelman. So could this be, you know, Brian Flores, Chris Greer? Could this be their Julian Edelman? I think they're going to do a bunch of great things with him. I think he's very versatile, and we continue to use that word, versatile, versatile, versatile. This guy could line up at running back, wide receiver, could even throw the football if he had to. So I think the Dolphins see a gadget player here, kind of like a Taysom Hill and a guy that they could develop into this playmaker to do do damage against opposing defenses. They did have Albert Wilson, I believe, trying to throw passes last year. I don't know if it necessarily worked, but, I mean, they're, they're really open to anything. I mean, if the long snapper is going to throw or uh... – what the holder kicker is going to throw a touchdown pass to the punter. I mean, I, I throw everything out the window because they're going to do just about anything. Yeah, and that's the exciting part. I mean, let them do whatever they want to do as long as it equals touchdowns, which also equals wins. We're all for it. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, it's late. It's a Sunday night. We didn't want to keep everyone too, too long, but we felt like it was important for us to come in and give a couple thoughts here. And I obviously – Odds are you're going to look at this pod, you know, at the beginning of training camps this summer, and it's half of our takes are already going to be thrown into the trash because just how things change, things develop. But overall, how I'm excited for the future. I really like what they did here. I think they have a solid mix of we're going to see a lot of good things in 2020 where, you know what, maybe they shock people. Maybe they go 9-7 and seven, make the playoffs. But that clearly isn't the hope here. We just hope to kind of see that improvement. That improvement could still see this team winning five games. And that's kind of weird to say, and, and I could argue with myself already saying that's a bunch of BS. This team needs to win at least seven or something like that. But we really don't know that until we actually see a play-by-play really start to unfold. So... Either way, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling really excited about the future, and hopefully we didn't just bomb eight picks. Yeah, I don't think we'll be too worried about that, but I think we just got to remember that this is the Miami Dolphins, you know, and no matter what they do next year, we're really setting ourselves up for that long-term success. So whether they rush to a tunnel of Aloha Long, maybe he plays a game a couple games later in the year, ideally you don't want to see him play at all because 2021 is when everything starts. So they're building the trenches this year. I have no reason to doubt they're not going to continue to build some of those voids and, and bring in some playmakers. And then that's when you implement Tua Tungavailoa into that offense. And at that point, you know, the, the sky's the limit. So exciting times are coming for the Miami Dolphins. We can all sit here and say that we didn't like this pick here or, or that pick there. I trust that Brian Flores and Chris Greer know better than us. And if you looked at the way he his, his face looked when he got Raekwon Davis, he was over the moon excited. So trust the process. I mean, this was just the first draft these two guys – Truly had together. I mean, last year they did too, but they had all these picks this year. And I mean, it, it was a hell of a draft by many, many people, you know, what they, what they believe it was. So um, good things are coming. What One final question for you here. Um, Brian Forrest made it clear he isn't someone who's going to uh, just hand over starting positions. What percentage chance would you say Tua is the day one starter for the Miami Dolphins next season? If he just straight out beats Ryan Fitzpatrick, which is very possible. Fitzpatrick could have a bad camp. We remember, I think it was Matt Moore was another quarterback who played much better in games than he did in practices. Um, For some players, that makes their career, and they're never really able to get to the point. What percentage do you have that Tua could start opening day? All right, I'm just going to throw this out there. Hopefully, you know, I think they already have a plan in place. So if if they feel like if he's ready, they're going to give it a true competition, then, I mean, we'll all sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. 
So by that account, we'll say 25%. I don't think it would be in the Dolphins' best interest. I don't think it would be in Tua's best interest to rush him out there week one. But if he's outperforming him in training camp, however that seems to go in today's society, if Tua Tungvaluwa can get that inside job, I mean, it, this is his team, let's be honest. It, it, this is Tua's team. Whether he, whether he plays this year or next year, this is Tua Tungvaluwa's Miami Dolphins, and we're all just here for the ride. Exactly, exactly. I was going to say 15%, but thank you, everyone, for joining. Please, please hit us with that rate, that review, and that subscribe. All that helps us so much. Follow us on Twitter, at jmendel94, at Houts. Be sure to comment on this post. I'm sure I don't have to be the one to tell you that. A lot of you already do. And I, I do read the comments, so keep them coming. Give us your feedback. This is a conversation between us and you guys, not just us ranting to you guys. Give us your thoughts. Give us how you feel, because Dolphins football is hopefully back. For Jake, for Josh, fins up. Fins up. That was Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, because we're the Miami Dolphins. Cause we're the Miami Dolphins.